Would you turn again this time to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. <coughs> Mark, chapter 11. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem and to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tide, whereon never man sat, loose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, Why, What do you loose in the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of the trees, and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David, that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem, and entered the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come. He went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple, and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money change, and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves." And the scribes and the chief priests heard it, and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when the even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance, saith unto Master, Behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Jesus answered, saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that these things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have ought against any that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And if you do not forgive, neither would your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. And they come again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, 
There came to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and say unto him, By what authority didst thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you one question and answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then do you not believe him? But we shall say of men. They feared the people, for all men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answered them, Say unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Amen. The Lord's blessing uh, follow on the reading of his own holy scriptures. We'll now sing in Psalm 96. Psalm 96 from verse 8. Singing to the end of the psalm. Give ye the glory to the Lord that to his name is due. Come you into his courts and bring an offering with you. In beauty of his holiness, O do the Lord adore. Likewise let all the earth throughout tremble his face before. 96 from verse 8. Give ye the glory to the Lord that to his name is due. Give ye the glory to
Seeking the Lord's help, we'll look again at that chapter we read, Mark chapter 11, and we may read again at verse 12. At verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, as the Lord and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And then we we'll read a verse 20 some next morning. As they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter called to remembrance and said that, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. I remember some years ago being at a Banner of Truth conference down in Leicester and I was a, a very certainly very new into the ministry and uh, there were about, I don't know, 300 odd ministers gathered there at the time and this uh, minister who was addressing him, one of the addresses he gave and I never forgot it and it shook me to the core how he opened up and he said something like this, he said now, I know you're all ministers here from all over the country. But before I begin, he said, I'm not taking for granted that every one of you is born, is born again. 
And as a young minister, I really shook me and thought, well, can that be right? After all, everyone here is a minister. But I soon learned, and I didn't have to look beyond myself, that we all have to examine ourselves, whoever we are. Because sometimes what we seem to be can be quite different from what we really are. And this parable here, parable indeed in the story and account, give us as much to think about regarding ourselves, whoever we are tonight. We see here that the Lord is now coming near the end of his time in this world, and he's in and out of Jerusalem. He enters Jerusalem, and there he is seen, as it were, as a king, and Hosanna in the name of the highest, and so on, they are calling. And then he went into the temple, we read in verse 11, looked round about, and then in the evening he went out back out into Bethany with the twelve. And then the next day again, obviously, that uh, verse 12, on the morrow when we were coming to Bethany, he was hungry. He probably left very, very early in the morning. Bethany was not too far from Jerusalem. So he probably left very early in the morning before we would say breakfast time. And it's possible, we don't know for sure, of course, but uh, we see that he was hungry. And then we see that he comes to the fig tree, nothing on it, and he curses it, really. We have the same account in, in Matthew 21. And in the morning they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. But then, how does that apply to yourself and myself tonight. After all, is this not first and foremost prophesying about Jerusalem and the Jewish nation? Well, certainly it applies there. Cursing the tree and cleansing the temple as we have it in verse 15, you know how we threw overthrew the tables of management, cursing the, the tree and cleansing the temple were two symbolic acts with one meaning really as well, I suppose we could say. But nevertheless, friends, surely there is here, as in many other prophecies and actions and parables, there's another message, a secondary message here to all people. And that's how I would like us to look at this tonight. It's interesting, by the way, isn't it, that the only miracle where the Lord Jesus actually cursed anything in judgment. Now, of course, we have somebody say, well, what about the swine? Remember with the, with the herd of swine uh, that he, the devils went? But that was a different thing in regard to delivery of a man who was devil-possessed, as you remember. But well, then, let us look here at our own situation tonight, having today, most of us here, as I look out, having sat at the Lord's table, not all of us, but some of us, most of us, nevertheless, it's something that we have to ask ourselves. And the first question I want to ask tonight is this, what impression do we give to others who see us? 
What impression do you and I give to others who look upon us? The Lord here, he sees a fig tree with leaves and he comes and he finds there's no fruit after all. Now it seems that the fig tree, I understand, uh, uh, usually has full fruit around June. This would be around April. But it wasn't unusual for some fig trees, it seems, to bear some early fruit, although maybe not fully ripe or as much as would normally have been when it was at its most fruitful. And the other thing as well, it seems, is that usually or unusually, the fig tree has fruit before leaves are actually seen, which is very unusual. So when there's leaves evident, if you see a fig tree with leaves, fruit should normally already be there. And that's something of the picture that we have here. Now friends, can you not see, and I'm sure you can, right away see how that picture can be applied to ourselves. We may have the leaves. We may give an outward impression. But is there fruit in our lives? In other words, are we really what we profess to be? Are we what we say that we are? Are we what other people see? And again, going back to the account I gave you at the very beginning, that man at the conference, is he not, was he not right in what he said? Of course he was. And for ourselves also to examine ourselves. You see the danger of just with a, an outward appearance, an outward appearance of godliness, a superficial Christian-like life. But really, is there substance there? Is there something there more than the outward in your life and mine? Whoever we are here tonight, what is it with us? Are we just leaves? And really, when we are examined, and when the Lord will examine us, is there fruit there in your life and mine? Anything of any substance at all? Remember the Apostle writing to Timothy in Second Timothy, the danger of some, what were they? They had a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Oh, my friends, I hope we are more than a form of godliness. I hope we are more than just an outward forum. I hope all of us, whoever we are here tonight, that there is something deeper with us, that there is some fruit there in our lives. You see, whatever impression you or I give outwardly, if we are destitute of the fruit of faith and repentance, if we are bereft of holiness of life, all of which may well be hidden from those around us for long enough. But note, my dear friends, the day is coming for you and for me when all will be revealed and your true state will be evident before a holy God. And you might be here tonight 
and you are saying to yourself, well, I don't think this applies to me, and I hope it doesn't. But are you made sure? Have you made sure of it? Have you examined your own life in the light of Scripture? Or are you someone saying, well, after all, my life is not a bad life. Are you going to be able to say, then, as others did, we did this in thy name. We did such and such in thy name. We were great church attenders. We were always faithful. We gave our tithe. We helped in any way we can. But friend, is that just arising out of a heart of gladness and love for the Lord, for what he's done for you? Or is it just an outward show? Is it just an external impression? What impression then, friends, may I ask you? You see, what will you hear if that is all that is there? What will you hear ultimately as the end of time? What will you hear from the Lord himself? That is us. Depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, but I did this, and I went here, and I gave this. Ah, friends, how we can deceive ourselves in these things. Depart from me, I never knew you. Or cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? Friends, let us not fool ourselves. And I'm speaking to myself, speaking to your minister. I'm speaking to us all, whoever we are here tonight. We need to examine our lives. It is not enough, friends, just to imagine that our church going and our Sabbath keeping and our outward forum, all other outward forms that may be with us, which may well impress other people, which may well even impress your minister and your elders and the rest. It may well impress such people and all who are on looking on the great day of judgment when you stand before Christ as a judge. That's what matters. Not what it is like with your neighbor or anyone else. How will you be on that day when fruit is looked for? Here is a picture here again of the temple Outwardly, as we know, beautiful. But you see, what do we read about? Such corruption within the walls. Here they were selling and buying and money changing on the Lord comes in and he does here what he will do ultimately at the end of the day with all those who have an outward forum. He will cast them out. He will get rid of them on that great day that is going to come. Oh, friends, if we just give an impression of a godly life, and yet never acknowledging as we ought to what we need and what we are and our sin. Or remember what it written in Isaiah. He speaks there to say, and this is how he felt, and this is how we should be as well in examining ourselves from the sole of the foot even unto the head. There is no soundness in it, full of wounds and bruises and purifying sores. There's somebody who recognizes sin for what it is. There's somebody who will not be hiding under the leaves of their own self-righteousness. We have to ask ourselves these things. It's not comfortable to ask ourselves these things. It isn't. But surely it is better to ask it now than to be found out at the end of the day.
Oh, my dear friends, are we, am I a Demas or a Daniel? Am I a Judas or am I a John? That's what we have to ask. You see, we need to ask this. We need to ask it. It is not enough for us just to imagine that all will be well ultimately for us. Someone has said that we're all in one way, even in our churches, we are like the moon. We have a dark side that no one sees. Many like that. May that not be true of any of us here tonight. Oh, my friends, the danger of living such lives, hypocritical lives. So then I ask you, what impression do you give? What impression does your life give, even to those around you? So we see then the impression. Then, what about if it's a fruitless profession? Now, as I said, we can see this as an emblem of fruitless Israel. Plenty of religion, much outward activity, but no sincerity of heart. Their hearts were not right. God requires of all who follow him the fruit of righteousness, a heart that is cleansed. This is what's required. You see, we can seek to hide our sins with the leaves of our own self-righteousness. We can't be like Adam and Eve in the garden. But friends, God will find us, and God will find us out. God, who knows our hearts, will ultimately reveal what we are. And surely it is better now for us to know if we are just empty professors, or is there a true change in our lives and fruit there. Oh, friend, if we are indeed fruitless in our lives, it will be found out. It will be found out. Israel, with all the blessings, Israel were a nation. As you know, they were planted, they were established, they were nourished by the Lord, they were nurtured by the prophets, and ultimately the Saviour was born amongst them. And yet, we know that they largely despised such an honour that was bestowed upon them. To be those that God had chosen, and from them to have the Saviour of the world come. What an honour they had. And you can say, well, how could they? How could they have been so blind? How could they not see? Could they not realise and did they not realise that all their religiosity was not enough for them? They were so privileged, you say. I mean, after all, look at all the privilege they had. Look at all the blessings they had. Look at all that they heard, even from the lips of Jesus. Look at all the miracles they saw. Time and time again, people healed, the dead raised. Never mind the prophets that prophesied down to them. How, you see, could they be so blind, having been so privileged? Ah, but what about yourself? 
Think of your privileges. How many people tonight throughout the world would love to have the privileges that you have and have had through your life. Think of the privileges that have been yours. You've grown up in a place where at least there is freedom to a measure at least of the gospel still. You now live and maybe in a place, in a congregation part of, where the gospel is undoubtedly preached to you. You have a Bible in languages that you understand. The word of God is freely available for you. There are people around you who witness to you, those who are Christians, and you've seen all these, all these privileges, friends. All these are yours. And here in this congregation, Christ freely offered to you in the gospel. What more do you require? Is there fruit from all these blessings and privileges? I ask you, what are you going to say when you stand before a holy God? What are you going to say? What are you going to be your excuse when you stand before the one who knows your heart? And when there has been no evidence, whatever you've said, there's no evidence of fruit in your life. Fearful thought, isn't it? Oh, that that would keep us from sleep. That that would shake us. And that would have us go on our knees before our Savior and you tonight. Asking for mercy and asking for forgiveness. Repenting of our sins. Turning to him in repentance. If we've never repented before. And yes, even if we have and we're professing Christians. Repenting again and again and again. So that there be fruit in our lives, not just going through the motions. Think about it, friends. Oh, if there's no evidence of faith or repentance, you will be damned and cast down. And I want to make clear here as well to you who are professing Christians tonight, believers here tonight. Some maybe for many, many years. Are you still examining your own life? Are you still confessing your sins? Are you still bearing fruit as a Christian? Can that be said of you? Not just the outwardly religious who have no faith, but you professing Christian, you believer here tonight in this congregation, are you a bearing fruit Christian? Friend, there should be no other kind of Christian, but one who bears fruit. And that's the question for us all. Is there evidence in your life that you are more than just a professor? More than just one who says, I'm a Christian? Where is the proof? Where is the evidence? Where is the fruit in your life and mine, friends? And please don't think I'm here standing, as it were, just condemning you. I have to ask myself. And I pray I am asking myself that very thing. Do you have tonight, friend, confidence that while you, of course, do not depend on works to save you, 
will nevertheless be work seen in your life as a result of being saved. And will the Lord say to you out for, out, uh, ultimately at the end of the day that you've lived a Christian life? And will he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Will he say, when I was hungry you fed me, when I was sick you visited me and looked after me? Is there evidence of fruit like that with itself in your life? Or are you one, as it were, yes, you believe in Christ and maybe you're saved tonight. But you will, as it were, if I can speak with reverence about it, you will, as it were, sneak in the back door into heaven. Just get in. Of course, that's all that's necessary. But oh, to stand before Christ, having done nothing. Lord, you died for me. You suffered on the cross with all this morning for me. I believe that. But I'm sorry I, I didn't really do very much for you while I had the opportunity. What kind of gratitude is that? Dear friends, we need to examine our lives regarding these matters. You see, barrenness, barrenness is a grievous sin in the life of any one of us who are believers tonight. You see, we live in a day when we've always done, but we are certainly in the day that we live in. We live in a day particularly amongst a generation who are undoubtedly looking for answers. You know that, some of you, maybe even better than I do. You go in and out amongst some people. People are looking for answers here, there, and everywhere. But sadly, many of us, as someone has put it so well, as Christians, if we're not silent, the most we are doing is stuttering and not speaking clearly to the needs of the people. Stuttering and not speaking clearly to the needs of the people. But whoever we are here tonight, friend, may it not be said of us as the Lord Jesus said of others. Oh, he said, hypocrites, <coughs> hypocrites. Ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appeared beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Whited sepulchres, kept beautiful. Remember when, and I was in this a few, few times, but one of the times there particularly we visited a cemetery. And this was so evident, beautiful. Some of the graves that were kept there impressive and yet what was in there but just bones and uncleanness an outward form oh friends that that would not be true of us well dear friends that's what we have to ask ourselves we all need to ask if my so-called profession, nothing more than an outward forum, and fruitless. I pray that that not be so for any of us. But then thirdly and finally, there is an inevitable end. Verse 20, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. You know, so many make a grave 
mistake regarding the Lord Jesus. So many think about him as gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and oh, he was that. Jesus who healed the sick, Jesus who raised the dead, Jesus who was so kind to the little children, and that is not wrong. But friends, if that's the only view we have of the Lord Jesus Christ, our vision is marred and is not clear. Friends, there's another very solemn side to the Lord. And that is part of what the account with the fig tree shows us here. He is teaching here, he's the judge. He's the one who judges. No man eat fruit of the hereafter forever. Why? He found nothing but leaves. He found nothing but leaves. What is he going to find in your life and mine? He saves, yes. Oh, he saves. But he also condemns. Who will be condemned? Well, ultimately those who bear no fruit. Those who bear no fruit. Oh, yes, friend. Many have leaves to deceive. But while such may fool and deceive your minister or your kirk session or other believers, we cannot deceive the judge of all the earth. And we all have to stand before him on the last day. And dear friend, if you are here this evening as one without Christ and yet have had so many privileges, Remember unto whom much has been given, of whom much shall be required. You've had privileges. You've had blessings. You've had kindness shown to you. Now, some would say, well, this is not just teaching regarding the fig tree as a picture of the Jewish nation. As I said, that certainly is here. They had been chosen of God to be his people, and yet they had proved to be unfaithful. And not appreciate the privileges they had. And again I repeat what I said earlier. The privileges that you and I have had. The blessings that have come to us. And yet at the end of the day. Oh what a fearful thought. At the end of the day. That we are going to be cast out. We are going to be condemned. We are going to be cut down. That's the reality for us. Chosen of God. To be his people. And yet. Proving unfaithful ourselves. Frozen of God in a place where the gospel is preached. In a land where there is still, thankfully, in a measure at least, a freedom to worship. And also beware of this, friend. You may well be here tonight with enough religiosity and religion to lure your conscience to sleep. But that will never save your soul. That will never save your soul. All your outward form. Remember what the Lord Jesus warns the church at Laodicea. Because thou art lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You see the picture there? It's a frightening picture. 
Could that be true of you tonight? You see, friends, where there is no fruit of faith in any man, woman, boy or girl, it is inevitable that judgment will fall upon your head. Inevitable that that will happen. It cannot be otherwise. God cannot overlook sin, your sin or my sin. And unless it's dealt with in Christ, and you have put your faith in Christ, and from that flows fruit in your life that is evident that it is so, there will be this awful judgment and condemnation of you. Not because you were not religious. Not because you didn't attend the congregation here and elsewhere. But because you were not bearing that fruit of repentance and true righteousness and sanctification. It is inevitable that your end will be an awful judgment. And a holy God, Christ as the just judge, as I said, he cannot do otherwise. Are you here tonight without Christ? And deep down you have a hope that you will somehow not be condemned. Maybe you're here tonight and you think, well, I might not be a professing Christian, but I can think of some professing Christians and I don't think very much of them. Or I can think of some people, I live far better lives than they do. They are far worse than I am. I know it, you say. I see them. I might even live with them. And so, you see, you measure yourself against others rather than against the Word of God. Now, friend, you may be right. Sadly, as far as Christians are concerned, many of us are not what we ought to be. And you may be right regarding some other people who never go to church and who do this, that, and the next thing. And you may well be right, you know, in all these things. But may I remind you of what the Lord said to one of his disciples. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. That's what matters. Nothing else will matter. You know, friends, I believe, fully believe, that hell is already and will be full of those who knew people who were far worse than themselves in their estimation. It's a fearful thing. Judging according to others. But here is the judge, the only one ultimately who can judge. And ask yourself tonight, whatever your spiritual standing this evening, am I a fruit bearer? Or am I a hypocrite? All outward form, but nothing of consequence in my heart. What is the Lord saying as he looks upon you tonight? Is he seeing fruit in your life evidence and outward form? I read this afternoon, wrote it down, about a man, a well-known man. And he often used in his speeches as a type of politician, he often used Christian vocabulary. 
he would often quote the Bible. He spoke about the blessings of the Almighty and the Christian confessions of faith that would become the pillars when he got into government. Sometimes when he speak, he would pick up his Bible, an old tattered Bible that he had, and he spoke of the strength he drew from the scriptures. Indeed, many, many church leaders welcomed him as there's a man sent from God for us. But this man turned out to be a master of outward religiosity and no inward reality. Do you know what his name was? Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler. My friends, let us ensure that there is fruit in our lives, evidence, when the Lord comes and searches us in whatever way, that he doesn't go away, if I can put it this way, disappointed with us. How will it be with yourself when he searches you in that way?